right, wow. That, that was what we needed this morning. That woke me up. That was great. Thank you so much to the worship team. And uh, thank you for inviting me to be here um, this morning with the Croc Church. This is exciting for me. And as Major Lynn says, yeah, I'm the uh, camp director and I run a program called Revolution Hawaii, which I'd love to tell you about. Um, but what I want to say tonight, to th- this morning, I mean, is that I actually work out at the camp, but I don't live out by the camp. In fact, I live in Manoa. And so I'm making long drives uh, every day. And uh, I've got a couple hours in the car. And so what I do is uh, I, put in a, I put in podcasts. I don't know if any of you guys ever do podcasting, uh, but I, I, gotta, I get those podcasts going, kind of helps the drive as I'm on there. And one of the podcasts that I really like is called um, This American Life. And uh, it's got all kinds of great little stories and things that happen. And so I'll listen to that one when I'm going to work. And I heard this story uh, one day about this guy named Jorge. And Jorge, uh, he was starting his life, you know, life had gone kind of out of control. And so he was starting all over, brand new. And he'd always wanted to live in New York City. And so he just moved to New York City and he got a job and he got an apartment in the East Village, and some of the New Yorkers said, this is, a, this is a great apartment for you, you know? And so he got this apartment, and he's brand new to New York City. He's just living the life, and he is loving. He's filled with joy. Yeah, he's, he thinks everything is going great. And one night, he's sitting in his apartment, and he's watching The Bachelor. Does anybody ever watch The Bachelor? I haven't really watched. I kind of know what it's about, right? But I understand it's a real uh, interesting show where they bring in, I don't know, all these bachelors and there's a bachelorette and she has to pick. And so he's, anyway, he's watching The Bachelor and, uh, and it's, the, it's down to the last like five guys that she has to, you know, get with. And so she is going with them to uh, dinner and kind of, you know, taking each one out. And so she ends up with one of the bachelors in New York City. And so Jorge is sitting there, he's watching this, and he is excited now because they're in his city. And they actually, you know, take the limousine and they go out to eat. And uh, he's really, he's watching intently because he's saying, man, I, I wonder if I can recognize anything in this new city that I live in. And so he's watching real careful uh, on, the, uh, on the television, watching where they're going. And they get, you know, they have the dinner and all that happens. They get in the limo, and then they're going to go back to his apart- apartment. And so Jorge's, he's on the edge of his seat. He's kind of watching, like, maybe he can recognize a street. If he could just recognize one street in this new city, he'd kind of feel, you know, good that, you know, he understands them because it's a huge city, doesn't know anything. And, um, and so they pull up, and the limo stops right in front of his apartment, and they get out, and they hug, and then the camera pans over to the awning of a building, and Jorge can't believe it, but it's the awning of his building, right? And so he's just like... He's kind of jumping up and down now. He's like, that's my building. That's my building. Right? I can't believe it. Uh, the bachelor's at my building. And then they, get, you know, they go in and they go into the lobby and they go into the lobby of his building. And now he just, he can't believe it. Not only is it, you know, they're just showing my building, but this guy, this bachelor lives in my building in all of New York City. They go there, they get into the elevator and they go to the fifth floor. And Jorge lives on the fourth floor. Right? And so now he can't believe. Not only that, they, they go in and they go into the room and he realizes his apartment is right next to, it's the same apartment as mine, right above it. And as they go in they, and they show it and he goes, it's almost identical except his apartment, the bachelor's apartment, is a little bit better than Jorge's. 
the walls are whiter and he's got nicer furniture and he's got little add-ons in his apartment that Jorge doesn't have, right? And, and as he watched that, he, his excitement kind of drops and then it gets worse. Because uh, after the bachelorette kind of sees the bachelor's apartment, you could tell she doesn't really think it's that great. And then she goes out, and eventually she ends up dumping that guy, mainly because his apartment was so terrible. And Jorge is devastated, right? He's devastated because he was, right before he was watching that show, he was on cloud nine. He was filled with joy. He thought he had everything going on. And then within a matter of minutes, his joy was stolen from him, yeah? And, and what happened is he began to compare, right? And Teddy Roosevelt says this. He says, comparison is the thief of joy. And I find that very interesting because I can see it in my life all the time. It happens to me. Yeah, I... Uh, I get up in the morning, you know, and uh, that alarm is going off, and it's a new day, and uh, I wake up to that alarm, and as all good Christians, right, I say, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, right? I, I say that, and I get up, and I reach over to my alarm, which is this little computer that's in the form of a phone, right? <laughs> and I, I'm holding that thing, and I turn it off, and then instead of you know, hitting my, my Bible app and, uh, you know, logging on to the good book, I log on to the Facebook. And uh, I start to do the scroll, right? And, and I'm just kind of scrolling and I'm looking at all these people that are my friends on Facebook and what's going on in their life and, and the new car they just bought and the great job that they have and the awesome vacations that they're on and their beautiful families and their wonderful marriages and it just seems like there's these guys that are winning in life and, and then I see other people that maybe they're losing in life, you know what I mean? Like I'm just, and I start to do the comparison and I begin to compare my life with their life. And I can tell you right now that that joy that I was feeling when I woke up to this new day that God had made begins to slip away because comparison really is the thief of joy. And I don't know if it's just me. Maybe it is. Maybe that's just me. But I, I'm hoping that somebody here can relate. Yeah. And, and I feel like as I look that in, in our culture right now, this is something that is affecting us. This, this comparison, because we live in a time and an age when we are able to compare things all the time. I remember way back, I'm an old guy, but going to my 10-year reunion, I was excited because I had no idea what was going on in all my high school friends' lives. You know, and I went to that 10-year reunion, it was great. I haven't been to one since because I can see what they're doing every single day, right? We're able to see and what everyone's doing. We're able to compare and we compare all the time. In fact, research has found that more than 10% of daily thoughts involve making a comparison of some kind. And studies have shown that people who make frequent social comparisons are more, more likely to experience feelings of envy, regret, guilt, and defensiveness, and also lie, blame others, or have unmet cravings. Overall, people who make a lot of negative social comparisons tend to be more unhappy and have more destructive feelings and behaviors. Yeah, and, 
And I'm really concerned about that. Having five kids of my own and, and seeing what's going on, I see how uh, it affects our mental health. It affects our well-being and it steals our joy. And I think that's very important because you guys uh, here at the Croc Church are doing a, a whole series on joy. Yeah, and I'm excited about that. In fact, as Christians, you know, that's, that's, that's what we want to be. We want to be filled with joy. And, and as a brother in Christ, I want you to be filled with joy. I want my family to be filled with joy. I want, you know, I want other believers to be filled with joy. I know that uh, your core officers, your pastors want you to be filled with joy. And I think that's what, why they're, they're doing this. We want to really focus in on joy and, and really understand that because that is what God wants for you. Yeah, he wants you to be filled with joy and have this joy just permeating within you. And, uh, and, and so I think it's important that we look at this and see how we can really have that joy back and not have it stolen by comparison. And, um, and here's what, here's what the, the Bible says about this. It says in Galatians 5, it says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Yeah, we want, we want you to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, filled with joy. I want that for myself, and I want that for you. And uh, sometimes, though, I think that this suffering that we face, this joy that's stolen, uh, and, you know, I'm supposed to talk about suffering today, and I thought, you know, what a better topic uh, right now for this than, than to talk about this, because I think some of this suffering that we face is self-inflicted. We do it to ourselves, right? And, uh, and, and so I want to look today uh, at the Bible and see what Jesus has to say uh, and see if it can help us so that we can avoid this, we can stop this thief, and we can live this joyous life. And so if you guys would turn with me to Matthew 20, and uh, we're going to start with verse uh, 1, and it's a, a pretty, uh, pretty well-known parable uh, that Jesus tells. It's called the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much that, um, that you love us and uh, that you want us to live a joyful life. And, uh, and God, there's so many tactics of the enemy that want to come and destroy us and bring us down and take away that joy. And so, God, right now, as we delve into your scripture, into your word, I pray that it would illuminate for us um, some truths and uh, would help us uh, to live that life that you want us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the parable of the workers in the vineyard goes like this. Jesus is talking, and he says uh, in verse 1, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. So this worker gets up. He gets up at 6, you know, starts the workday starts at 6 o'clock, and he says, okay, go out, uh, grab some guys, and uh, you're going to pay them a day's work to work in the yard, uh, in the vineyard. And then verse 3 says, it's about 9 in the morning, three hours later, uh, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went on again about noon and about 3 in the afternoon and did the same thing. 
About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyards. So 6 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 a.m., 3 p.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., 5 p.m., right? He's going out every three hours, grabbing more workers. Come work in my vineyard. I pay you what's right. At 6 p.m., verse 8, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. Interesting. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. Comparison is the thief of joy, right? They they were happy getting a job, happy to get paid, but what changed when they began to compare themselves to the people that were hired later? And I love this. This This is what the landowner said. But he answered one of them, am I not being unfair to you, friend? Don't you agree? Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? I love that. Are you envious because I am generous? And so the last will be first and the first will be last. I think that's uh, interesting. Just side note, like this parable has a lot to do with a lot of other things. It's not just about this comparison thing, but I think that we can take from this. We see this obvious comparison and and we can learn some things about what we're talking about uh, from this. And uh, here's what I want you to remember. It can help you to stop that thief. And I think this is the most important thing uh, to get from this is to remember that you have a generous father. Yeah, our God, our Father, who we serve, he is generous. And I think if we remember that, that our Father who's in heaven loves us, he loves each one of you more than you can imagine. And he's a generous Father. And he wants to give to you, right? He, he, he wants to do that. In fact, uh, Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says this, and this is Jesus again talking. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven get good, good, give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, I love the fact that uh, God wants us to call him father, that he takes on, uh, you know, that, that persona. Like, he, he wants us to uh, be his children, and he's our loving father. And this idea that 
he loves us more than a, a loving father would love their own children. As a father with five kids, right, I, I, I understand that love. And uh, I mean, I can't even express how much I love my children. But to know that God loves me and loves my children more than I could love them, that's amazing. And he's saying, I'm a generous father and I want to give you. If you can give your kids good things, guess how much I could give them, right? So we have this generous father. But it gets even better than that. In Ephesians 1.3, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not only does he want to, is he generous in that way, but he, has, he is so generous that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. Like, think about that. I've got people, they're always going like, hey, Rob, you know, uh, God bless you. And I'm like, he already has, right? He's already blessed me. Thank you. But he's already blessed me in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm in Jesus Christ. Like, you can't get better than that. Like, that's a generous God, that your blessings are, you already have them. Yeah, you are blessed beyond measure. Amen. Amen, right? And it. And, and finally, like, if you don't think your God, your, your God, your Father is generous, think about this. For God so loved you that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That your heavenly Father sent his only son to this earth to live amongst us, to teach us, and to suffer and to die for us. We don't deserve it. He did it for us because he loves us, because we have a generous father. And when that thief of comparison begins, and we start to compare, just remember this, that you have a generous father, that there's nothing you can compare to that, that your father is so good. And if that doesn't if that doesn't do it, just, just remember this. It's just like those, land, uh, those workers in the field to the landowner, hey, no grumble, right? You have this generous father. Uh, no, don't grumble about it, right? Be appreciative of all that he gives you. Yeah, don't, don't be that ungrateful kid. You know those ungrateful kids? You ever see those, those spo- we call them spoiled brats, right? Like, you know, they, right? Like they, they get... You see it all the time, like parents just giving them stuff, giving them stuff. They're just so generous and giving their kids, and they're just never happy, always complaining. You know, that would kill me uh, as, a, as a father. I, I remember when I had my first kid, and, and I, I loved her so much. I mean, there was just, I, I didn't think I could love anyone as much as I loved my first child. And then my wife said, hey, we're, we're going to have a second one. And, I, and there was a part of me that said, well, I don't know how. How am I going to love that one as much as I love this one? Like, it's, I'm, I feel bad. And it was the most amazing thing because God just gave me more love for my, you know, I had just as much love for my second one as I had for my first one. And, and it just, you know, now five, right? But I, I love each one just as much and, and I want to give each one, I, want, I never want one to think that they're not as much loved as the other one, right? Like I spend all my time like, you know, I, like I want to make sure you know that I love you just as much as I love you. And, you know, when Christmas comes around and you know, I, I, we pick presents, my wife and I, we go and we're getting presents like, what would, what would she like and what would he like? And we're, you know, we're wanting this. And I got to tell you, it would be devastating if when they begin to open their presents and then look around at what their brothers and sisters got and then complain and grumble because they didn't get, you know, I picked that for you because I love you. And, you know, and, and that's really what happens with God, right? Like he 
He loves us so much. And, and each one of us, is that love for us is, is special. Like he doesn't love one of us more than he loves somebody else. And he's a generous God. And he's given to you. I read through, um, uh, I don't know if you guys ever do this, but reading through the Old Testament, and, you know, and, and you look at the Israelites and, and God just loves them so much. And, and, you know, they're slaves and they're crying out to him. And, and so he, he sends Moses and, and, you know, all these crazy wild uh, miracles are happening. And, you know, and, and he's able to get them out and, and they're traveling through the, the wilderness, right? And, and more signs and they, like, he parts the seas and he gives them food every morning. And, like, you know, when people attack, he, he gets, you know what I mean? Like, he, he's just doing crazy stuff for them. And I look, and, and they, they're constantly grumbling. They're constantly complaining. Yeah. And, and I'm so angry when I'm reading. I'm like, come on, you guys. Can't you see what God is doing? And then I have to check myself. Because right? I'm like, yeah, that's just like me. Right? Yeah, I'm getting mad at them, but I, I do the same thing. If we want to stop that thief of joy of comparison... Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Don't grumble. And finally, be humble. Yeah? Be humble. I think part of the problem with comparisons and, and, and what was happening in this parable is when I read that, I, I, I immediately identify with the first worker hired. <laughs> Right? I'm like, well, that's kind of unfair, Jesus. Look, these guys, uh, they worked a full day and they don't get paid the same as, as the guy that worked an hour. Like, that doesn't make sense to me, right? I'm kind of like, you know, my, I'm thinking there's an injustice here and I'm upset about it. And, uh, and I think the problem is, is that I'm identifying with uh, the first worker hired when really I should be identifying with the last worker hired, right? Because again, that's me, and that's you, right? We, we want to think, like, this isn't fair, right? And, and they deserve more. And the reality is that none of us deserve what God gives us, right? right? We, none of us deserve uh, what he's done. There's nothing we can do that can help us to do that, to, to be that way. And, uh, and, and it's just not fair. It's, you know, we deserve more. no. We don't. God gives us what we don't deserve. And that can help you, I hope, uh, to live that joyful life, to not let comparison get you down, but to, to be humble and, um, and do that. And so, uh, you know, what I'd like to do just in, in closing is, is I'd like for us to just imagine what the church would look like what it would look like at the crock, what it would look like, you know, in your, in your home or in your, with your friends, with people who, who know you as a believer, if we would stop letting comparison steal our joy. And instead, we start letting comparison fuel our joy. Imagine what that would look like. Yeah? If, if people looked at us and they looked at this church and this joy was just, like people came in and, and it's like, man, everyone is just filled with joy all the time, right? And, and they're, they're just praising God, yeah? And, and uh, they're so appreciative of all he's done and, and nobody's grumbling, right? And, and everybody's thinking less of themselves and more of others. 
we would, we would change this community. Amen? Yeah. We would, change, we would change Hawaii. We would change the world. Like, this is what Jesus wants for us. He wants us living this joyful life. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And he wants us filled with joy. And there's all kinds of stuff going on. And there's all kinds of things that are trying to take that joy away. Don't let your own comparisons, your own uh, way of thinking contribute to stealing that joy. But live that joyful life so that others can see that we, love, we have a God that is amazing and beautiful and loves us and loves them. Amen? Right now, I'm, I'm going to just uh, say a prayer right now. And uh, the worship team, I think, is, they're going to come up. Um, but if you uh, wanted to uh, spend some time just thinking and reflecting on that, um, I know that you can come up here if you want and, and spend some time uh, at the altars uh, reflecting on that, if not where you're at. Um, but I'm just going to close uh, right now with the prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you so much that you're such a good God and that you love us um, so much. You're a good, good father, a good, good God. And uh, I thank you so much for all the blessings that you give us. And we take it for granted often. I know I do. And uh, I'm sorry for that, Lord. And I'm sorry for uh, being uh, someone who compares my life to someone else's and, and, and not uh, appreciating all that you've done in my life. And Lord, right now, I just pray that you would help me. I also pray that you would help us, the church, if there's anyone else like that out here that uh, might be struggling with that, Lord, that uh, you would begin to work in their life as well and, and help them to know that you are a good God and that you love them. And most importantly, Lord, we want the world to know that you're a good God. So help us to be good ambassadors filled with joy. In Jesus' name, amen.